Have you ever longed to escape reality or fantasized about stepping into someone else's shoes, even for just a little while? Hi, I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Hawley. We host CBC's Play Me, the immersive podcast that transforms theater into addictive audio fiction. Join us for a new season and disappear into a world rich with drama, where every show delivers hypnotizing stories and unveils intriguing characters with secrets. Play me wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. When Marie Clements was making her new miniseries, Bones of Crows, she thought about a lot of different people. She thought about the survivors of residential schools whose stories she was telling. She thought about her cast and crew because pretty much every one of them had a relation who was forced to attend the schools. She thought about the child actors on set, making sure they felt safe. But mainly, and she'll tell you why, she thought about her mom. Marie Clements is here to tell you about Bones of Crows, how making it felt like sacred work. That's coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So here's something you should know before our conversation today. Just one week before Marie Clemens was scheduled to start shooting her film and miniseries, Bones of Crows, that was when news broke that 215 unmarked graves were found near the site of the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. And Marie was getting ready to shoot at the school. And you might have thought that that discovery would have stopped production of the show right there. But instead, Marie will tell you, it actually gave the show a new sense of purpose. It gave the people making it a new sense of momentum, gave them more of a why when it came to the story that they were about to tell. Bones of Crows, if you haven't heard of it, is a film and a miniseries about the legacy of the trauma of Canada's residential school system. And that terrible discovery of remains of children who attended the school was a reminder that the impact of the abuse that took place in Canada's residential school system is not a history story. It's present. It's still unfolding. Bones of Crows tells the story of one family over the course of a hundred years, centering around a Cree girl, Aline Spears, who becomes a woman and then a mother and then a code talker in the Second World War, all the while confronting the trauma she experienced in her life. The show goes on to look at the Catholic Church's role in the abuse that was inflicted upon thousands of Indigenous children at residential schools. And yeah, Bones of Crows is a story about that trauma, about the violence and the abuse. But Marie says to me, At one point in our conversation, the telling the story actually filled her with hope for the future. Before we start uh, playing this interview for you, I should let you know that this interview, of course, deals with themes of sexual assault and child abuse and violence and intergenerational trauma. Marie Clements wrote, produced, and directed the series Bones of Crows airs on CBC and APTN. Here's our conversation. It's an interesting thing that you're sort of promoting this thing twice. I just realized that I was sitting down with you. Like, you you talked about it as a film, and now you're talking about it as a TV show. Yeah, it's a little surreal, but um, I'm excited uh, for people to see the TV series finally, you know? I'm excited about it, too. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this. A week before you started shooting uh, Bones of Crows, news broke that the remains of 215 children were found near the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. So you were were shooting then? You were scheduled to shoot then? You were there, right? Yeah, we did... started a relationship with uh, the nation there, you know, quite a while before, maybe a year before. So we had been in talks um, all the way through and ready to go and shoot um, when everything was happening. And 
you know, obviously it was such a, a gut-wrenching um, reality. We thought, oh, we're just going to have to find another place and, and you know, just kind of turn the wheels on the production. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of amazing what people uh, will do. They said they wanted us to be there, that um, they believed that the children w- would want these stories out there. And so, you know, that kind of strength um, really helped us. Uh, you know, they stood with us to tell the story, you know, in that in that residential school and, you know, not far from those children. What, what does that do to you as the storyteller in that moment? To be honest, just the reality that, that there's uh, uh, children uh, left buried in our country is, is a lot to understand that it's, you know, um, just over there, yeah. you know. And just, just like a couple of meters away from you where you're standing there. Well, you know, we're, looking, we're, you know, setting up in the dorm rooms where the children were, where the girls' dorm was. And we're looking right. out the window and there's a memorial and hundreds of people are, you know, across the country are coming to pay respects. So it's, it's pretty real, you know, it's, it's, it's right. Um, you can't, you know, you can't get much realer than that to be in the place where these children were, where some of these abuses happened and um, where some of their bodies are, you know, still. A new, a new sense of um, intention, it sounds like, for you when you're making that thing. Well, it's definitely, there's a gravity to it for sure uh, and a responsibility, but um, I think, you know, what was so uh, kind of wasn't expecting is just kind of how you know, the community and the nation stood behind us and mm. with us mm. so that we weren't alone in it, you know. And I think that was something that uh, we felt really, um, I don't know, lifted by to to understand that they're with us and that um, they were coming in to watch the scenes, you know, and we had community members that were in Bones of Crows. So, you know, there was something really um, powerful about that, that engagement. Tell me about Aileen. Uh, Elaine Spears, um, as as you said, you know, she's a co-talker in World War II uh, and falls in love with this beautiful Indigenous guy from the coast and uh, they dream of a future together and children and uh, their memories of residential school start to come back to them. She was a uh, piano prodigy. She was an incredibly gifted piano player, but she never got to fulfill that uh, potential. Why was that an important part of the story to tell? Um, I think I think t- um, for me, I you know when you um, I guess talk to your parents or you know t- in my case I talked to my mother who went to residential school and she would often say that you know there was uh, there was a part of you uh, there was a person you were before you entered residential school and there's there's a person you became afterwards and so I think um, in her her mind you know there was a spirit change you know Um, and I think uh, when we're children and you know when we look at our own children we begin to understand the potential of of this human being this small human being in the dreams of that that person that that spirit growing up and I think well you know for a lot of people residential school was uh, was something that squashed that tried to kill that. Mm. And um, so I think that was important to understand that that people, you know, children did have dreams uh, for their future. They knew who they were and they knew what they wanted to become. I mean, it, it, and it's not just the children we're talking about. It's not just the people who, who were taken and went to the residential school that your, that your uh, show focuses on. Quite powerfully, it focuses on Eileen's, um, her own life, but also her children 
and her, her grandchildren's life. And I, I felt like that must have been an intentional uh, on your part to show that it's not just the people who go to these schools that are affected by this trauma, but it's the generations that come afterwards. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, you know for so long in our uh, in our history or in our um, dialogue around residential school, it's it's been secret. You know, it's it's been really quiet. And um, if you look at 150 years, and you you know, I can think back to when I went to school, there was no teaching of that history in you know elementary school or high school yeah. or college yeah. or university. Rah rah rah. Yeah. So you know, I'm not the only one that didn't know, except you know, um, I had members of my family that went to. So I knew something was happening. You know, I knew something had happened. But for so long, so many had to, um, you know, push that those memories down. Uh, and I think they did, a lot of them did it because they were really um, concentrating on surviving, you know, and concentrating on trying to get a better life for themselves and their children. So I think, you know, that's something, you know, that kind of silencing is epidemic, you know, uh, in that experience. And I think as Indigenous families, you know, we had to really, um, I don't know, sift through and try to find the truth in our families and um, understanding, just like all families, you know, different people hold different um, parts of that truth. You said you talked to your mom? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For this or before? Or? Uh, well, she passed quite a while ago, but, oh, um, you know, I think she was, you know, in her late 60s when she kind of revealed to me that that she had gone to residential school and um, her sisters and brothers. So I think she held it very secret for a long time. She was in her late... By the way, this is yeah. if this is, goes on to the, the personal, you just let me know. Okay. Nice. But the, the, the she was in her late 60s when... So you didn't know growing up. Well, I, I heard, you know, things in the family and certainly there was, you know, uh, odd things mentioned and uh, we came from a family where that was separated, you know, so you're always wondering, well, why was this huge gap? Like, how did that happen? You know, when... Um, they loved each other so much. So you start to piece together things and you start to understand, oh, okay, yeah, you guys went to residential school. But she didn't really want to talk about it. And she felt that it wasn't um, that we should leave things in the past, you know. She must have been on your mind while you were making this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she's very, um, uh, I was kind of raised with my mom and uh, these beautiful aunties and uh, they're quite striking and um, strong and um, funny, you know. So, oh, yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your mom's name? Can I ask that? Uh, Dora. Dora. Yeah. Lovely. Um, I want to read something here from the director's statement, and I want to talk a little bit about how how you envision this, because it's quite a striking visually, this, this, this show. You said, Bones of Crows is epic in its scope, and it's meant to be. Cinematically, Indigenous peoples are meant to feel that we were not really here, not part of a shared history. And this, this is interesting. Never modern in the context of time and place. Can you tell me more about that? Well, in speaking, you know, like, uh, you know, even in, in prepping to shoot and getting, you know, things ready for different creative departments, um, people were like, oh, what kind of, you know, what movie does this remind you of? Or, or do you have images of, you know, what you're talking about, like filmically references, you know, films, TV series? And uh, there was none, you know. Because we haven't really been represented cinematically, our experiences, uh, we, we've never been able to see that. You know, I've never been able to see characters that were my mother's age in that time. Um, 
or, you know, uh, it's, it's just so rare that you get to see um, somebody in the 60s or 70s or 50s or 40s or 30s or 20s living a, a modern life in, in their present, you know. You just don't get to see it as an Indigenous person in this country. So the things that you do get to see is you, get, you do get to see these images in family albums, you know. Mm, mm. And um, you do get to see that how, you know, how strikingly beautiful, you know, our parents were and our grandparents, etc. And I think we all, as families, we all love to look at these pictures because they go, wait a minute, you know, how how knockout dad was, you know, my mom, <laughs> yeah, or, you yeah. know, what how I mean? dapper, yeah. how yeah, all that stuff. Look That's what they a, wore, look yeah, at this, yeah, right? yeah. And I think um, there's such, um, I don't know, there's a vitality in that, you know, and to understand where you came from and understand this kind of purpose and. Um, I, I don't know, ideals that, that your parents and grandparents must have had uh, in their time. So I think that's kind of what we, you know, is hoping to launch into is this, this idea that um, these characters and people were present in their time and they were ready to take on the world, you know, and they were ready to claim their part of it. I want to play a clip from the show right now. So this is a scene where a priest is speaking to Aline's very young sister, Perseverance, after her sister and brothers have attempted to run away from the residential school. So before we play it, I do want people to know that this clip is um, disturbing, and we'll touch on that in a second. Take a listen to this. You're so beautiful, Perseverance. Now, be a good girl and tell me where they are. Right now. I can kill you and bury you all back. Nobody, nobody would care. Tell me, Perseverance, or so help me God. So that's a clip from the miniseries Bones of Crows. I'm speaking with Marie Clements, the producer, writer, and director of the new show. It's out on CBC Jam. It also airs on APTN in English and in Cree. So yeah, I mean, Marie, you don't avoid the reality of what Indigenous people in Canada have faced. You know, children being forcibly removed from their homes, violence, suicide, sexual abuse. And it's, you know, depicted in the show quite graphically. And as I mentioned, even when I was introducing that clip, like, this is very disturbing to watch. But my guess is that's kind of the point. Yeah, I think um, actually it is a point, you know. It it actually did happen. And um, that's also a part of our history, you know. And I think um, if we're afraid to face it, then we're afraid to change it. And, And I think that's what we have to do. You, you, when you were making the show, you said, you know, we need we need to show these things because we can't make them stories. We can't make them something, an idea. If we show them, that we need to face that it actually did happen. Yeah, I mean, I think like everyone that you know, I mean, we we watch and take in other people's histories all the time. You know, whether it's uh, the Holocaust experience or slavery experience, or you know, um, there's so many movements uh, in in countries uh, where the histories are not you know not great. Yeah. And um, and I think it's important to, uh, if we're able to take in the good stories, I think it's also important to take in the stories that aren't great. Because I think when we watch these stories, we begin to understand that we don't want it to happen again, you know? We don't want this to happen again. And how do we do that? And how do we talk about it so that uh, we can educate ourselves and um, hopefully become better humans, you know? We'll be right back. 
I'm Candice Lim. And I'm Rachel Hampton. We're the hosts of ICYMI, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And we want to help you make sense of the need-to-know internet stories of the week. Consider us your internet historians of past, present, and future. Of the good, the bad, and the truly unhinged. From nuanced takes on stories we're all closely following to the ones you wished you heard about. In case you missed it, that's ICYMI, the podcast that's extremely online, so you don't have to be. Follow and listen now. How did you, as a director, handle, I mean, some of these scenes, again, there's scenes of sexual violence, um, scenes of, of violence, scenes of rape, and um, and my understanding is that, like, just about everybody, if not everybody involved in the show had a relative who, who went to a residential school. Am I right about that? Yeah, every single performer and every single, uh, you know, anybody in production or, or in the creative role, absolutely. So how do you, as the director and as, as sort of the, the, the person in charge here, how do you make sure everyone feels supported how do you make sure everyone feels safe in, in these, in these you know, when they're on set and these things can be quite traumatizing, especially for like children and that kind of thing? Yeah, we worked really hard, you know, from the very beginning, obviously, before we even um, got to set to, to figure out uh, an environment where um, performers could come to the set and feel that they were supported and that uh, it was a place where we're actually doing sacred work. You know, we're, we're coming to tell the truth uh, and we're coming to tell it in a way that um, everyone, you know, all the crew, all the creatives, um, production teams um, were in support of that. So it it was, you know, a different kind of set in many ways because it, it, it had this kind of feeling where not that we're walking on eggshells, but that we're, we're, I don't know, we're laying ground, you know, for people to bring their talent and their heart to some very you know, hard scenes. But I think, you know, that that's something that has to happen, you know, uh, way before you shoot. It's something that's, you know, discussed with all the producers, you know, all the heads of departments. Um, so that was a, a strategy to talk how and, and all the ways that we can do to make this a human experience and to understand that what we're asking. Um, so, you know, whether it's cultural keepers on set, whether it's uh, medicine people, whether it's counselors. Um, and you, ha- you had these folks on yeah, set? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like every frame of the miniseries and feature, there was a cultural keeper um, on set. There was a smudge trailer where, you know, you could go and, sm- uh, and smudge, you could talk to uh, elders, you could laugh. Um, and that was for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. Um, every different territory that we um, shot in, um, we had blessings for the land, and I, I do believe that the land did take care of us. So it was kind of multi-layered, and you know, things whether it's acting coaches, whether it's um, a support group on set, it was all a, a huge group effort, and I think everyone led with their heart, and I, I think that that really, um, I hope, supported you know everyone in, in a good way. You you just called this sacred work. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I do, I do believe uh, telling the truth is sacred. Yeah. It felt like sacred work to you doing this. this yeah, kind of work. yeah. Ab- absolutely. You know, because um, we were asking um, 
you know, we're asking performers and literally everybody that worked on 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 it for a very long shoot um, to bring their best, and not just for themselves as a professional, but um, for our families, you know, and for our ancestors, and to say, you know, maybe this is this is why I'm coming here is because I was meant to tell this story, and I want to tell it to um, the best of my ability on all levels. The, the impact of the story and the impact of the storytelling is something I find really interesting because, um, you know, in addition to the, to, to the things that we've been talking about so far, there is so many um, – so there are so many moments of, like, lightness and, 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 and hope and, and inspiration, especially when it comes to the relationships within, within the family. So I, I have a line from your director's note from the series here that I wanted to ask you about. And you say, I have always seen hope in the face of my mother – in the faces of my family, in the face of my son, the face of this new generation. Were there parts of telling the story or getting the story told that gave you hope? Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, we understand uh, story evolves. Like, uh, you know, um, my mother used to say that sometimes it takes generation for one dream to come true. And wow. I believe um, that was very much her experience. So I, I think even though that's hard, there's hope in it. And, uh, you know, there's um, a lot of young uh, first-time uh, actors uh, in Bones of Crows that uh, came up with the production. And... Um, uh, t- took on huge roles, you know, and of course, you know, we were doing everything to make it easier on them and make it something that they they felt attached to in a um, in a way that kids do. You know what I mean? It's because you can't always talk serious, you know, things with um, children. You know, not, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? You yeah, gotta, of course, of course, you, you got to talk about a lot of things and and mm-hmm. and go into it. But what I loved, you know, about so many of these young actors, um, I would say, you know, have you read read the scene? It's a hard scene. Um, and did you work with your mom and dad and, and grandparents on it? Yes, yes, we did. Are you know? Are you off book? Oh yeah, we're off book. And you know, to say, well, you know, it's a very hard. Are you scared of this scene? Or is there anything in here that's you know scares you? Um, and you know, uh, one young actor said no. He said, um, I'm. I realize I'm doing this for my grandparents. You know, so that they'll know. Um, so people will know what happened to to us. And so I think, you know, even someone as young as seven or eight, um, able to tell um, us older, you know, (laughs) right, we got to get it together, right? So (laughs) I think, you know, we were learning from them also, right? What a line. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine how how you felt hearing that. Yeah, I was like, you're right. Okay, let's go do it. (laughs) Well, it's it's not lost on me that I'm speaking to you right now just days before the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And Bones of Crows was, uh, in part, a response to the calls uh, to action set up by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And my guess is that people hearing our conversation right now might watch this series in the next few days. Does the fact that this show is coming out around this time have any special significance for you? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, it's it's time to reflect. It's time to think about our history. It's time to think about this this history. And I, I think there's there's something to um, reflection and, and taking in story about this. So I'm hoping, you know, if, if – yeah, if people watch it at this time, I think it's it's a really amazing time to watch it because it does reflect on on what we've been saying. It does reflect on on who we are and where we've been and where we're going to. 
Uh, Congratulations on the work. Thank you so much for coming in and, and talking to me about it. Thank you. Maria Clements is the writer, producer, and director of Bones of Crows. Bones of Crows is a five-part limited series that's out now on CBC Gem. It also airs on APTN in English and Cree. The National Residential School Crisis Line is 1-866-925-4419. That's 1-866-925-4419. It's available 24 hours a day. That's it for the show today. The other episode we put up is um, a conversation with the author, Elizabeth Acevedo, who has a new book called Family Lore. And it's about a bunch of different things. I don't want to say it's just about this, but sort of the jumping off point of the book is an interesting is an interesting one. It's about a living wake and someone who decides that they're going to have a wake, you know, a funeral essentially for themselves while they're still alive. And then you begin to wonder, is that something you could really, really want? Anyway, it leads to an interesting revelation that Elizabeth wasn't planning on sharing <laughs> that I was grateful that she did. Oh, you know what? I'll spoil it. She says that she's been thinking about her own funeral since she was a kid. Um, so she's going to tell you a little bit about that. All right. Uh, go check that out wherever you get this podcast. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.